a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. Grateful for these moments we have to chat here on this program. So many uh, changes in the face of this coronavirus. We want to make sure that we on this radio station are bringing you the uh, absolute latest information and that that information is reliable and useful to you and the safety of yourself and your loved ones. And so for that matter, we are for the foreseeable future going to be bringing you these types of uh, press conferences press conferences and special programming like you hear from 1230 to 1 where Jeff Kaplan gets along with the uh, the experts to answer your phone calls. Uh, that's what's on tap and I will uh, fit in where I can to have conversations uh, like the following. We're going to be talking for the next segment about Census Day and we've invited onto the program Deputy Regional Director of the Census Bureau, uh, Dennis Johnson. Mr. Johnson uh, joins me now. Sir, grateful to you for your time. Uh, I mentioned that today is Census Day, uh, but if I'm honest, I don't know what that is. What is Census Day? And why is it important? <laughs> well, good afternoon, Lee, and thank, thanks for giving me this opportunity. Uh, census Day is a Super Bowl day for, for us census takers. Uh, it, it, the Constitution specifies that every 10 years we do a complete counting of every individual living or staying in the, in the country. And we've, we've done that ever since 1790, the first census. Every 10 years we've done that. And uh, over the years, we've chosen April 1st as the reference day. And that, that simply means that when we release the numbers, these are the folks that were living or staying in our country on April 1st. And uh, we, we do it for a number of reasons, but primarily this is to make sure that we're equally represented in our national government. Talk to me a little bit, sir, about the various things that the numbers collected via the census. Uh, how does that impact uh, both money, uh, Congress, things like that? These things we should have learned in high school but may sure. have forgotten. Sure, sure. And, and as I mentioned, the, the primary purpose in the beginning was to divide the representatives in Congress uh, among the states in an equitable fashion. The larger states have more representatives. Uh, smaller states have fewer. Uh, but that's that's really the primary uh, function for the census. Over the decades, we have added so much to that. Uh, we utilize the same data to determine what districts those those folks represent and uh, what they're shaped like. And that's not only the, the national congressional districts, but also the state and, and local districts. So those numbers are, are used to certainly divide up the country into uh, equitable uh, portions so that everyone is equally represented. In addition, uh, there are about, oh, 670-some billion dollars, that's billion with a B, of, of monies that are distributed back to states and local governments each year. 
and a lot of that money is is distributed based on census numbers. Uh, the greater numbers, the greater needs, and and the greater dollars going to certain areas, and and that's that's what it's all about, making sure that we have accurate counts. When we do the census in 2020, it will certainly impact what happens this year, but it's going to impact us for the next 10 years until we do the next census in 2030. So it's a it's a pretty big deal. We're speaking with Dennis Johnson, Deputy Regional Director of the Census Bureau. Uh, let me ask you this. How has the taking of the census this year, or how, how have your operations been impacted by this uh, coronavirus? Are you still able well, to get an accurate count? Yeah, uh, certainly. Uh, the, the, the most important part is the invitation to respond and the ability to respond from your home uh, has not changed. We we are receiving many, many uh, I think over 50 million people have already responded, and that part hasn't changed. Uh, the fact that you can do this from your home, you don't have to talk to anyone, meet anyone, shake anyone's hand. Uh, you can get the information turned in. That that certainly has not changed, and uh, that's definitely one of the things we want to do is encourage everyone uh, to fill out their census information and, and get it sent in. As far as uh, now, should we be? Field offer, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to ask, should we be uh, looking for a way to participate in the census count? Should we be waiting to be approached by your operatives? How do we make sure that we are counted? Actually, most people received an invitation over the last few weeks in the mail at home. And that invitation uh, provided the instructions. It provided the website as well as a, a, uh, a PIN code that they can use to fill out their information online. It also provided a toll-free phone number. So that someone who uh, maybe is not online or would prefer to do it by telephone could go on the phone and actually complete the information. Uh, even folks that have not received that letter can go straight to our website, which is 2020census.gov, and enter their address without the PIN code, and we will match that information up with the address as we do the final processing. So uh, that's something that's, that's going on now. For those folks who are unable to respond, whether it's because they're not online, uh, they haven't received the invitation, or whatever reason they haven't been able to respond, eventually, when it's safe for both our employees and for the public, we will have uh, folks from each neighborhood, each community, working uh, to go out and help those people who haven't been able to respond yet. And in doing so, we'll be able to make sure we get everybody accounted for and get a complete count for the census. All right, Mr. Johnson, put my mind at ease. Let's say I'm one of these types who I don't want to go on the grid. I don't want to be on any of the government's uh, records. I don't need them sniffing me out. Uh, Put my mind at ease uh, that I'm safe to participate in the census. Uh, It it is safe, number one. Uh, We don't collect that much information. uh, You'll give more information to the person (laughs) who's uh, delivering your your food these days than, than you will to us. And it's all very basic information. Uh, secondly, by law, the information can't be used for any other purpose. Uh, any individual information is not used at all. The information is, is uh, aggregated. In other words, it's all combined with other people's information so that no one can be identified. And it can't be used for any purpose other than the stated purpose of the census. So it is truly safe. And, and not participating actually impacts your community in a negative way. Uh, the, the fewer people that are counted, the fewer dollars that are going to be coming into your community or 
the, the less representation you will have. And over time, that's, that's going to be the worst impact you can imagine. So uh, you, you want to make sure that everybody's counted, whether you, whether you like me or not. Uh, it's really going to help your community <laughs> to make sure you're counted. You bring up a good point there. I can think back over the years. I've heard some anecdotal tales of communities uh, being sometimes maybe 10 or 5 people below a threshold, uh, leaving them out of a category where their community or county could receive uh, grant monies or, or, or other distributions. And it was really a question of 10 or 15 people maybe uh, that made the difference and had that uh, unfortunate negative impact on the community. So this is one of those circumstances where everyone uh, does count. Uh, Mr. Johnson, I am grateful to you for your time. I'm grateful to you for your work. And uh, if I'm honest, I'm a nerd for the type of data that you guys churn out. So I'm anxious to, uh, to, to run through all this data once you have it all collected and reported. Thank you Very for your good. time. Kindred, kindred spirit. Thank you, Lee. That's the way. Uh, listen, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, uh, we're going to be speaking to a friend of mine, Cameron Deal. He's the executive director of the Utah League of Cities and Towns. He and I, uh, I'm so looking forward to this conversation. And uh, it, it has to do uh, w- with urban dwellers fighting the urge to go ride out the storm in some rural setting, some rural community in Utah. What that ha- what that causes is an overwhelming burden on the health care facilities and the grocers out in rural Utah. We're going to talk about that reality next with my guest Cameron Deal on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.